1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Liber Cristo War College. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. People, Kyle, welcome to the show, my friend. People really look, look forward to Wednesdays when you and Dan, I get emails from all over the country. They, they can't wait for uh, one of the liberal crystal instructors to be on on Wednesday. So uh, welcome and thank you for being on with us, Kyle. It's my pleasure, Jesse. Always good to be with you and these uh, Virgin Most Powerful radio listeners. Um, be assured of our prayers. We request our prayers uh, your prayers for us. Amen. Uh, you you got them, Kyle. We uh we're we're part of the uh, Liber Crystal prayer team. At night, we do all the prayers that Father Ripperger says to pray for, pray for the apostolate. So we're in, we're in. Hey, let me ask you a question. Um, what's what's what are you doing these days with Liber Cristo and uh, with some of the things that uh, some of the apostolic works that you're doing, where some of the people can show up and and participate. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Jesse. First of all, Libra Cristo is um, continuing to form teams and, and consult and develop diocesan protocols, parish protocols, archdiocesan protocols to deal with um, just a large volume of extraordinary diabolical activity and, and diabolical activity. So uh, on multiple levels, I would uh, I would ask you to uh, go to www.libra.com org and to www.montecristo.net. And both of those websites are going to give you uh, access to everything that we're doing. Um, I really want to focus on the conferences that we'll be doing uh, with Father Ripperger, with exorcist mental health professionals, and what we call the general practitioner training. This training is very, very valuable. If you've got, uh, if your diocese has an interest in, in developing a protocol and a, and a proven and uh, traditional methodology for dealing with ex- suspected extraordinary diabolical cases or influences, please contact us at uh, montecristo.net or at libercristo.org and um, get uh, registered for those trainings because um, it's important for us to be trained and trained correctly. This is where we're really focusing this effort on Father Ripperger's teachings um, and and what he's our experience over 20 years of working in this area, um, and and try to return the liberation and deliverance ministry to Catholic norms. And so uh, there's also several retreats, several other things uh, that are available there. So please go to those websites, exhaust the YouTube channels with the various talks and uh, explaining these trainings and and uh, opportunities, retreat opportunities. Um, that we have coming uh, after the first of the year. Also, there's book studies. Um, there's other ongoing spiritual formation. Um, I'm really pleased with with uh, kind of the organic movement and response. And a large part of that has been the Virgin Most Powerful um, listeners. Also, put on your calendar for Annunciation of 2023, we will we will all be Father Ripperger and I and and Dan Dr. Dan Schneider will be uh, in Los Angeles with Jesse for 
the annual Virgin Most Powerful uh, Spiritual Warfare Conference. Absolutely. I'll be the MC. Hey, uh, Kyle, just, uh, it's just so good to hear that you guys are busy and you guys are doing this great apostolic work that's so needed today. By the way, you're having an effect. I'm not going to mention the name. Uh, over the weekend, I was in Providence, Rhode Island, and there's a very uh, well-known uh, charismatic uh individual from SCRC that, you know, he does healing services. And I noticed, I noticed as I was talking to him, he goes, Hey, Jesse, by the way, I don't lay hands on anybody anymore. I said, Oh, that's good. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, so why'd you change your practice after 25, 30 years? He goes, he goes, I touch people with a crucifix, a blessed crucifix. And I said, really? I said, Hmm, interesting. Why'd you change your practice? He goes, I don't want to get demonic transference and, you know, and, and the sacramental, it's blessed. My hands aren't blessed. So I've come to realize that. I said, ah, you've been listening to Libra Crystal. He goes, yes. So I, I want to just tell you, Kyle, you and Dan are, and Father Ripper are making a huge impact because this guy's a big player in SCRC. Okay. Huge. He's been there for 30 years and he's he's been tracking with your lectures and saying, wow, these guys make sense and they're making a very strong case. So I just want to let you know that people are listening and taking notes. Oh, thanks be to God, Jesse. I'm so glad to hear it. Um, that's the thing is, is uh, we're, our whole emphasis is so that we can live to fight another day, so that yes. we, can, we can be instruments over a long period of time, so that we're not taken out in the first firefight. Um, you can train a soldier, but it, until, you, until he has the understanding that it's about not only engaging the enemy, but coming home after and then the ability to, to engage again. Um, that's what makes a warrior. That's the difference between a soldier and a warrior. And we're about being warrior, spiritual warriors. Hey, I got a question for you before we get into the book, because people are chomping at the bit for you, for you to explain the, uh, the prayers in the book and how to use them. But uh, here's a question. I'm a listener of Jesus 911 and War College series. I enjoy your War College series. I'm a state police detective working major crime cases including assaults, sexual assaults, and homicides. I have a grace or talent for obtaining confessions in these cases. However, I wonder if there is an appropriate binding prayer that I can use before going into an interview with a bad guy, obviously. I often feel <coughs> that there's a diabolical element involved. I feel that a simple binding prayer fits, but was wondering if I had the appropriate authority to use it. Perhaps a good question for your show. Kyle, what would you say to this cop? It's an excellent question, and it um, and, and I'll answer his question specifically. But there are applications um, in all of our work, in all of our, no matter what we do for a living, there are applications for for what I'm about to say. Okay. And so, with regard, we talk about with regard to the use of imprecatory and deprecatory prayer. So, this uh, officer may use imprecatory prayer for the premises over which he has authority mm. and for himself. He always has sovereignty, and he can use imprecatory prayer in that instance. What does that mean? He may not use imprecatory prayer over the corpus or the person or the body of the individual he's about to um, interview. So you couldn't say, he could not say without retaliation, he couldn't say, uh, I bind any spirit that's going to interfere with this suspect. He can't do that. Got it. What he can do, however, is I pray this perimeter prayer for this interview room. 
I pray this perimeter prayer because I'm in a position of authority in this room for this period of time, and no diabolical entity will be present or active, and no diabolical in- entity will influence me or my work. And so you see the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. That, so, that yes, per- uh, yeah. It's the same type of authority that a teacher has. The teacher doesn't have authority over the student, but they have authority over their classroom and they have authority over themselves. And so within my proximity, um, I'm uh, using the imprecatory form in the name of Jesus that nothing is going to be active. Now, here's the big caveat. And I'll ask you, Jesse, let's suppose this guy um, enters that interview room um, with impure thought. Let's or he has uh, a sin, is that prayer, is it going to result in in retaliation? Absolutely. (laughs) If he's in mortal sin, his prayer has no merit, and he's not protected. If you're not in a state of grace, you're not protected. And if you're starting to, if you're trying to do binding prayers in mortal sin, you're going to be retaliated against you or your marriage or your children will be retaliated against Exactly. And so I'm going to give you a heads up here, especially for this guy. Here's the heads up. The demon knows your particular uh, sin. He, he knows just because um, he knows your stuff. Yeah. And so he's going to come at you with your stuff leading up to this interview so that you're not in a state of grace mm-hmm. or so that you're compromised mentally. So it would be a good thing to turn your phone off do not check your text messages don't check your emails don't check this stuff going into that interview because the demon wants to take that cheap shot on your way in he wants to someone to send you that vague text or or something to to, uh, take you off you can't do it jesse when you had a fight when you had a fight how long before the fight did you turn off outside communication I would say hours before that morning. I mean, I was disconnected. Yeah, actually, a couple of days before a fight. I mean, you, you know, you weigh in, uh, you're trying to make weight, and uh, you're just t- you tune everything out pretty much. Uh, I, I would pl- I would play maybe just listen to music, you know, like Rocky music. I'll I'll be honest with you uh, to to just you know just kind of get get in the mood. But no, you kind of you especially the day of the fight, you tune everything out. Fight day, everything's your oh. mind is clear. You're just ready to step in the yeah. Room. You're exactly right. So in the weeks that we have solemn session, my availability is very little. Father's is none at all. And so the exorcists that are that are effective um, understand this because the demon's going to come at you through media. He's going to come at you through the outside. I've been in solemn session with exorcists who are inexperienced, who are checking their cell phone during breaks in the solemn session. You, you mm. simply do not do that. There shouldn't be a cell phone on anywhere you know connected to the outside now many of them use their cell phone for reference prayers and etc but it's in airplane mode so they're they're not accessible from the outside the only other caveat that i'm going to give and this is the same for all of us especially if you have employees and you have to to talk to an employee um, about discipline or anything is pray for the soul that you're about to encounter If this guy has a charism or a grace for eliciting confessions, it's going to be amazing what happens when he starts to pray for the salvation, the soul, um, the the understanding. Just that very simple prayer. Heartbreak, my friend. Heartbreak. We'll pick it up. Yeah. I want want you to continue the next segment. War Calls. We'll be right back. Jess and Kyle. Stick around. 
War College, Wednesday, Jess Romero, Kyle Clemens, we're talking about all things spiritual warfare. I asked Kyle a question. I'm going to repeat it again because he's going to get to part two of the question before we get into the prayers. I'm a state police detective working major crime cases, including assaults, sex, sex assaults, and homicides. I have a greater talent for obtaining confessions in these cases. However, I wonder if there's an appropriate binding prayer that I can use before going into an interview. I often feel there's a diabolical element involved. I feel that a simple binding prayer fits, but was wondering if I have the appropriate authority to use it. Perhaps a good question for your show. And Kyle, you're, now you're going into the fact that, yes, the officer could use the imprecatory prayer over himself in his workplace, but not over the corpus of the criminal. But now you're getting into, it would probably be even more beneficial if he would do the light of Christ prayer for this suspect, this, this, uh, yeah, this, this suspect. Uh, can you explain to the audience what this detective should probably do if he's in a state of grace with the light of Christ prayer? So that light of Christ prayer, Lord, let them see themselves as you see them and let me see them as you see them. And and that what that prayer does for us is it, it develops, whether we're conscious or not, what I call the eyes of the sacred heart. Um, and, and it is that gaze of love, but it's a, a gaze of convicting love. And so quite often this officer is in a presence of an individual who's confessing a crime, but it's also a mortal sin. Um, and, and for him to be aware, for the the, the suspect perpetrator uh, to be aware that what he's doing has spiritual consequences as well. And the, and the person, this officer doesn't necessarily have to say that, but if the officer is aware of it and he has that countenance and that look and he's praying truly for the soul, uh, because quite often what happens is, uh, and you know this as being a, law, uh, a peace officer, self-harm suicide, et cetera, often follows a confession because the demon, if he's present to this individual, now really takes a toll on this individual psychologically. I can't believe you did that. Even more, I can't believe you confessed it. Your life is over, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so to guard against this self-harm, this suicide, despair, these type things, um, the way in which the confession is made, received, and then the realization that there is a spiritual element um, I think that's something that we probably should consider in the uh, in the workplace. If we've got to discipline an employee or anything else, we've, we've got to do it ultimately with the charity that is about the salvation of souls. Amen. Good stuff, Kyle. Thanks a lot. Very complete answer. Uh, I, I would have pray, basically told him the first half, but I totally forgot about the light of Christ prayer. I'm glad you, you reminded me of that uh, <clears throat> because uh Again, if we if we could see people with the sacred heart of Jesus, that'll be a very powerful, uh, a powerful uh, prayer uh, for people that again uh, are uh, are in need of of God's of, of of God's grace and you know the grace of conversion, the grace of salvation. Kyle, let's go to page thirty nine. We ended with uh, before the last time that we were here. We ended on thirty eight. On page thirty nine, there's a very very popular perimeter prayer. Uh, I use this all the time now that I know about it ever since I've got this book around my house, especially for Halloween. I did it uh, probably do this about, you know, once a week for for the house. Uh, when I go to a hotel, I'll do this prayer. Tell us about this perimeter prayer. Uh, who can do it? Is it imprecatory, deprecatory? Is it patriarchal? Who can do this prayer? Okay, so it is patriarchal, it is imprecatory, and it is a, it is a major class weapon. Um, and, and so this is an offensive weapon. Even though it's a perimeter prayer and there's some defensive language in it, it's the establishing of a perimeter. And so 
if you're familiar with military tactics, if you, you go into, uh, you're behind enemy lines or you, you advance against the enemy, then you establish a perimeter and you essentially say, um, I'm, I'm going to, we're going to defend this um, camp, this bivouac, this, this perimeter. And so the establishing of a perimeter just means that it is a boundary. And so you're exerting a spiritual authority. And then the word that is used, second word, is a very formal word with regard to spiritual uh, warfare. I adjure. And so to adjure means that not only do you have the power, you have the requisite authority, um, and you're acting in a formal sense. So adjuration to adjure, uh, this term occurs in the formal rite of exorcism. And it's interesting to note here that this is a uh, throwback, if you will, to uh, St. Charles Borromeo using this term in the formal right, 1614 formal rite of exorcism. That's a unique text in which St. Charles Borromeo wrote um, text by which a human adjures or takes command over uh, an angelic being. So it's very unique language. And so we this, this word adjure, if the evil spirit hears this, he's going to, um, he's going to react. Um, and he's going to immediately say, um, okay, is this something that I am compelled uh, to yield to? And what compels me? So then we go on. And this is interesting, the salutation. I'm really wanting people to understand the theology of a prayer uh, is stated, uh, the base theology or primary theology of a prayer is stated uh, in the opening salutation. I adjure all you evil spirits in the name of the spotless Lamb of God, Jesus of Nazareth, to depart from here. This is this is Calvary language. This is this is sacrificial language. That the, the term spotless Lamb of God, the unblemished sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, and then Jesus of Nazareth. Now uh, we're projecting imagery of Christ under the placard. Uh, written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. This, this is the imagery that this is evoking in the demon. It should be in us when we use this. I adjure all you evil spirits. That's a that's a that's a very direct confrontational language. That is not. Excuse me. Could you move along? Um, it is very confrontational language. And so the adjure language would be, for instance, for the police officer, when you say, I adjure you, your hand is on your weapon. You, you haven't drawn it yet, but your hand is on the weapon and the inference yeah. is clear. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Kyle, there's a prayer. It's, it's part B. It's right underneath of the perimeter prayer. That one seems to be a deprecatory prayer. It's a little bit longer. But it's a, it's a, it seems to be deprecatory in nature. Am I correct? It is deprecatory in nature, and so this is the um, this is the good cop, bad cop, if you will. So A is the bad cop. A is look, you're a bad actor. You don't belong here. You will move, or I'll move you. And then B is, um, you know, I'm just going to hang around here until you decide that you don't want to be in my presence. <laughs> um, mm. Hmm. But it's two different approaches. One's imprecatory, okay. one's deprecatory. In the in the B, Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's not sacrificial theology, it's governance theology. Do you see the difference? Yes, I do. So this would be the good cop prayer. Correct. 
correct. It's it's now you know. Look, son, you know you're not supposed to be on this street corner at eleven thirty at night. Your mom's worried about you. Somebody's worried about you. But no good can come of you being on this street corner uh, at at this time of night. That's that's this language. And so, in my love and mercy, establish a perimeter of protection around. Uh, and then the person and myself and all of our loved ones. But you better have some authority over in whoever that name is. Got so it, this one it. is a good one for this one is a good one for teachers, parents, um, even uh, employees, uh, employers and employees. Um, and so what it does is it beats back the demon and says, look, let me talk to this guy. And so in this deprecatory prayer, you find a kid that you know his family, you know he's good, you know he's struggling, and he's standing on the street corner in the gang, and you just walk up to him and you put yourself between him and the gang, and you say, hey, don't you want to come over here and talk to me? And so the gang then is, is separated from the individual by this prayer. The demon is the demon or groups of demons is, is safely moved back away from this individual so that you can talk to him. I like that good cop, bad cop language. I can relate to that. Kyle, let's go to page 40, where it goes into the prayer against retaliation. When would somebody use this prayer? So this is actually retaliation against someone over whom you have authority. You're asking that. So let's look at it. Again, it's a governance prayer. It starts out, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in your love and mercy. So pour thy precious blood now there's a sacrificial um, reference over my son so that no demon or disembodied spirit may retaliate against him. Mary, surround him with or her with thy mantle, blocking any retaliating spirits from having any authority over him or her. So one of the things about retaliation is, is it comes from multiple vectors. And so this would be, this would be uh, like for a, a child or a, or a, a young adult praying this prayer. This prayer is particularly effective when the sin that would create the vulnerability is shared between the parent and the child. What does that mean? Well, I can't really, You, how many times have you heard this? I can't really uh, get after my son for drinking because I drank when I was his age or, uh-huh. or pot or whatever it may, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And so yeah. this is a classic way to address this retaliation because we are um, we often beat ourselves up and we don't take the parental role. We don't take the authoritative role because of some perceived defect in us. Okay, so this is definitely a uh, well, it's a it's a deprecatory prayer. It's it's because we're calling upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not saying I. And so this obviously would be a prayer that uh, mom and dad can do over their children, correct, over their loved ones that they have authority over juridical authority, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty effective over adult children. Now, remember that the effectiveness of the prayer is directly related to their psychological compatibility. If you've got a son who's a roaring drunk and he's got no interest in amending his life, you're not going to have much effect. In that regards, you'd want to do the light of Christ prayer uh, in, in lieu of this prayer against the prayer of retaliation, correct? Correct. And, and you may even do a combination of the two. You're just praying that he can hear you. Now, there's a little twist on this with regard to being prayed by adult parents over, uh, I mean, adult parents over adult children. And that is, 
um, you might add the phrase or you might add the um, the addenda, Lord, let nothing in me impede their relationship with you. Because quite often, adult children especially are judgmental and encouraged to be judgmental toward their parents and, and to affect, to focus on their defect in order to ignore their message. Um, and so this is effective in, in some instances in stopping that. Wow. Kyle, you know what? It's funny. I, that's uh, When I was a cop and I'd go to all these domestic violence calls, uh, you know, uh, officer, my dad is trying to tell me to do this, but he does this, that, and the other. And my mom does this, that, and the other. And she's trying to tell me to do this. I saw this all the time. Too bad I, know, I didn't know that 20 years ago. What about the well, bottom? Yeah. yeah. What about the bottom there? It says another form. It's a very short prayer. If you can read it and tell us when would this be used. Is it imprecatory or deprecatory? Okay, it's imprecatory. Uh, hold on, and it, Kyle. It can, it, uh, we got going to hard break. Uh, Wednesday War College, stick around. We'll be right back. Good stuff. High level spiritual warfare. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Kyle, can you let the audience know what's going on with uh, the Apostolic Works with, with Liber Cristo and with Monte, uh, Monte Cristo as well? What are you doing? You bet, Jesse. Thank you for the opportunity. So if you guys would go to www.libercristo.org and www.montecristo.net, there's a lot of uh, videos, some YouTube, some other talks by Father, by me, by Dan, uh, Dr. Dan Snyder, on various subjects. And so you can exhaust those media resources there. Uh, also on the Monte Cristo website, there are multiple flyers for various conferences. Uh, and I really want to direct the attention to, if you're listening to this and you're interested in facilitating or help set up a, uh, a, a functional diocesan protocol, or parish protocol on how to deal with um, suspected extraordinary diabolical activity according to traditional Catholic norms, please register for the conferences and the trainings and the things that are going on. It's imperative that um, that we, we all get this training. It makes consultation so much easier if we all speak a common language and we understand um, and return this ministry to uh, to Catholic traditional Catholic norms. Um, also, be sure and mark your calendar or uh, register early for, because I know it'll sell out, the Spiritual Warfare Conference, uh, Virgin Most Powerful Spiritual Warfare Conference in, uh, in California. There are also some retreats that will be given this summer in Wyoming by myself and Father Ripperger, uh, one on reclamation theology. Father will do a father-son retreat, a mother-daughter retreat, and the first time this year, a uh, young marriage retreat. This would be an excellent wedding gift uh, to give to someone. And so this young couples retreat uh, is all focusing on how to live the vocation of the sacrament of matrimony and how to augment and increase and maximize the flow of grace into humanity through holy and sanctified marriages. So we're pretty excited about that when fathers have been wanting to do this for several years. And, and so this will be the first year that that's available. Again, excellent wedding gift. 
the exorcist training. Um, there are many third world exorcists who, um, and priests who desire this training by father, but it's, it is expensive and travel is expensive. And so there are opportunities to sponsor a priest, um, through Monte Cristo, um, to sponsor priests priest for that exorcist training. So thank you, Jesse, for that opportunity. Uh, Kyle, here's a huge question that always comes up over and over again. So let's just let's just get this out there. This book that I have in my hands, Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Lady, um, <clears throat> as I've been praying these prayers for several years now, uh, and thank you for that leather-bound copy that you, that, that you gave me last year, because my paperback copy is, is pretty well worn out. Uh, the, now, the prayers, I just, as I was praying them, I was saying, wait a minute, these are patriarchal prayers. It seems to me as if these prayers were written for the head of house. Um, and in fact, when you even go to auxiliumchristianorum.org's website, it'll say requirements, ask your pastor, uh, you know, you got to be in a state of grace. So it gives you all these requirements. And I tell people, first of all, read the requirements link. Number one, you have to check off the box. You got to be in a state of grace, pray in the daily rosary, uh, go to confession and ask your pastor. Your pastor knows if you're a whack job or if you're well adjusted emotionally to say these prayers. Cause these, these prayers are, they're at another level. These are like Dan Schneider says, they leave a high flash radius. Okay. That's got more gunpowder. And so, you know, you have to make sure that your pastor knows if you're a, you know, a regular parishioner who's well-adjusted, who has a, a dedicated prayer life and a sacramental life. I know guys that started doing these prayers just on their own because they've heard the radio and they've called me up. They said, I'm getting attacked. It's like dynamite in my room. It's like fireworks. I said, uh, when, la- when was the last time you've been to confession? 20 years ago. Uh, stop these prayers right now. Cease and desist right now. Get to confession. Start off praying the rosary that Angelus start off with the basic supplication and petition prayers of the church. You have no business praying these prayers until you're emotionally ready and your, your intellect is properly formed and, and uh, you've basically cleaned out your house, cleaned out your interior life. But here, here's Kyle, it's a, a lot of emails because people hear the show. You have a lot of women. This is typical women that have had a conversion, you know, Curcio retreat, Axe retreat or something, you know, uh, life in this, some type of retreat. They've had a metanoia. They've opened their heart to Christ, surrendered their hearts to Christ. They're trying to clean up their life now. And their husband is unconverted. They get a hold of this book because they see it on the internet. They hear it on radio shows. They, and they're, and they're praying it and they're saying things are becoming worse at home. Uh, here's what I tell them and correct me if I'm wrong because you're the expert. I'm the student. I tell them, stop these prayers right now. These are patriarchal prayers. I said, though you're in a state of grace, you have to ask A, your pastor permission, and B, you have to ask your husband permission. I know people don't like to hear that, but you it, you have to ask your husband permission. He's the head of house. Now, in a perfect world, you want your husband to lead these prayers like Tobias led Sarah in the book of Tobit, and that demon fled the house once Tobit prayed. He took authority, and that demon fled. I said, if your husband is not willing to do these prayers, just go back to the basic prayers of the church. Again, the Angelus, uh, the, the Holy Rosary, Our Lady of Sorrows, the chaplet of, uh, uh, the chaplet of St. Michael the Archangel, the Divine Mercy. Go back to the supplication and petition prayers. Don't pray, the, pray these prayers until your husband's on board because you can be retaliated against because they're patriarchal prayers. Okay, Kyle, clean it up. 
No, I, you're exactly right, Jesse. Uh, they are pre- patriarchal prayers, but to help the modern feminine ear hear that statement, I, I think we do well to, to look at it in a deeper context. Okay. So even though modernly, even though modernly uh, we talk about equality and we talk about all of these things, when you marry someone whose name changes, the woman's ah, <laughs> yeah, wow. Just on a natural level, so natural this, law tells us. Yeah. Uh, wow. And so that's, so that's this good. is just simple, a simple understanding of the spiritual and natural law authority that is involved in marriage. So whose name changes? Who moves into whom's, whose household? Any mm-hmm. exception to what I'm saying will simply illustrate the rule. Um, the desire for the woman to keep her name into the marriage, or this is like a spiritual prenuptial agreement uh, in, in Catholic in, the, in Catholic teaching and sense, a prenuptial agreement by and of itself, it's grounds for an annulment because it presupposes that there could be separation or divorce. So the, the prenuptial agreement already militates against the integrity of the sacrament. The keeping of the woman's name already militates against the integrity of the sacrament. Um, I, I think it's interesting to note that um, when you see this functionally, for instance, my daughter, when she married, had a Ph.D., and the Ph.D. was, of course, granted in uh, our name, her maiden name, my last name. Mm-hmm. When she married, she did not say, for the sake of my Ph.D. career, etc., I'm going to keep my name. She took my son-in-law's name, as is, is right within the sac- sacrament of matrimony. But as I'm saying these things, we're listening with our modern ear and we're saying, well, that may not be right or this or that. Listen to how far we've come from this understanding, this simple understanding of power and authority. In, in chapter four of Father's book, Dominion, Father Ripperger's book, Dominion, if you don't have it, get it. If you, if you get it, read it. You don't have to read it in order. You can start with this chapter. That would be the one to start with. Yeah. This understanding of power and authority is absolutely essential if you're going to navigate this howling wasteland, which is devoid of, of virtue and reason, where we find ourselves, if you're going to navigate this, you need to have this understanding, especially women need to have this understanding because you're pulled by the world. You're pulled out of right relationship with um, your vocation. Uh, and, And no matter who we are, we are configured to God through a vocation. And so that's an important concept in the flow of grace chart, which is available at montecristo.net on the YouTube You can see that um, flow of grace. But this is functional theology. And so these are patriarchal prayers. That does not mean they cannot be prayed by a woman. What it means is that the power uh, and and authority for these prayers flows rightly ordered through a male office, not necessarily the individual occupant of the office. But you've got to acknowledge that the authority in a marriage is in uh, the male. And that authority is not by merit. Please understand, that's the diabolical statement that authority and merit are somehow synonymous. They are not. The Catholic understanding of authority is taken directly from Jesus speaking to Pilate, and it's providential. Jesus says to Pilate, the power you have over me, the authority you have over me comes from above, meaning it's providential. It's granted by these, these circumstances. And so to understand that, it's not by merit. Also, this concept of assuming authority where authority is not being exercised, this is the sin of Eve. 
This is precisely the sin of Eve visited upon the modern world. So to pray prayers by permission, to do things by permission, gives the woman the protection of obedience. It gives her the protection uh, of the patriarchal office. And ultimately, when she prays, even over her own children, she's exerting an authority that comes and flows through that office of fatherhood. Makes perfect sense. In fact, uh, in fact, it, it is biblical. I know there's, there's passages that people don't want to hear. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, St. Paul says, I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over men. She is to keep silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor, close quote. In other words, you could see here that women will fall into the sin of usurpation based on, based on the husband's dereliction as well. Th- there's also another verse here, 1 Corinthians 14, 34. It's talking about, again, the construct, the, pat- the patriarchal authority. It's not by merit. It's by providence because this is the way God ordained it. 1 Corinthians 14, 34, the Bible says, The women should keep silence in churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be subordinate, as even the law says, uh, for, it, it's, it's, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. St. Paul is, now, this is my comment. St. Paul's not a women hater. He's not a misogynist. He just understands divine revelation, and he knows how the order of grace flows into the, into the, into the family. It's through the, it's through the patriarchal construct. Kyle, we'll be right back. La- yeah, last segment. Uh, Wednesday Ward College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Stick around. Good stuff. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Kyle, we're talking about the deliverance prayers for used by the lady. And the question is, many women pray these prayers uh, by themselves, not asking the pastor's permission. They do live in a state of grace. They've had a conversion. Their husbands aren't on board. Their husbands are unconverted. And uh, and they find that there's kickback. They find that there's retaliation in the house. They find things that are things uh, seem to be going wrong at home. And uh, they're saying, why is it happening if I'm praying Father Ripperger's prayer book? Yeah, and it, this speaks right to the power and authority. And so in Chapter 4 of Dominion, uh, Father's book, it lays it out pretty clearly. Um, we have a significant number of cases every year um, where women engaging in different uh, levels of the sin of Eve, but uh, taking authority or assuming uh, authority that is not theirs and incorrectly doing so um, results in significant retaliation and are in some cases possession. And so a couple of things to think about is one of the things about um, the sin of Eve, and, and we, we may have been focusing on that, but let's look at what is the psychological response and what is the spiritual response uh, when a woman's uh, assumes power um, and, and assumes the power, supplants the power 
that uh, of her husband and the authority and begins to act in that capacity, two things happen. The man then he does not her engaging in the authority doesn't make him step up. It actually has the opposite effect. He will retreat. You'll see the same thing in a parish. Once the parish allows uh, female altar servers, then the, the list, the roster of male altar servers begins to decline. Same for acolytes, same for lectors, same for any any of these things. Where Once women begin to, to occupy these roles, um, men be, begin to recede. They, they begin to um, retreat. And so the, the women assuming that role does not make the man, quote, step up. What makes the man step up is the realization that I have to do this. This is an obligation of manhood. And so he's fighting an effeminacy. He's fighting a follow the path of least resistance, that type thing. Um, and so it starts to corrupt the very integrity of the, of the marriage or the, the male-female construct even within a parish. And it's very, very simple. It's not by merit. It is simply by providence that the man is to occupy that role. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that the women are less qualified, not at all. Um, it, it's just simply that is the natural law and that is the order of things. And when we um, go against the natural law to try to achieve a certain end, there are two principles which are violated. Number one is the ends cannot justify the means. This is a, a key Catholic concept. It's a foundational Catholic premise that the ends cannot justify the means. And the second key premise is that you cannot will the action of another. You cannot will the action of another. For the most part, um, the prayers of the woman out of desperation are seeking to will the action of another. They're wanting to to change behavior. They're wanting to change uh, actions or will uh, of another. And so often it's born out of frustration, thinking they have no other option, but it actually takes them away from the, the primary option, which is to um, to be docile to the authority structure and to pray for their husband uh, in that way, not in a um, not in an uh, abrasive way, in a nagging way, but in a convicting way, and to discuss with their husband, begin to ask permission for all types of things for him to understand that this is, in fact, part of his role. But we're not talking about this in marriage prep. We're not talking about this in our families. It's very, very rare to see the family that operates with functional authority, uh, and it is also very common for people to rail against this. It's very interesting that even in academic communities, especially in academic communities, this is a hot button issue. This is a very much a hot button issue among academics and formators. The last thing I want to say about this is that it is absolutely criminal for a woman, a lay woman or a religious to be a spiritual director of a priest. It's absolutely criminal. It is absolutely criminal for a woman to be a formator, even if she is a PhD in theology. It is, it is criminal for her to be a formator of priests in a seminary. This, these are things that are, need to be addressed at some point because this aids the deformation of our priest, especially it aids or augments the effeminacy and the, and the disordered relationship um, that priests in seminary are having uh, and developing with our Lord and our Lady. So with that politically incorrect statement... <laughs> 
I'm I'm off my soapbox, Jesse. <laughs> hey, well, you just uh, you just said the the two verses that I quoted, the three verses from Saint Paul. You just gave New Testament theology right now, uh, and and so uh, yeah, if if you're politically incorrect, so is Saint Paul. Hey, let's uh, let's do one more. Let's do one more before we the show runs out. I just want to get one more in. It's a short one. It's called and on page forty in the bottom it says another form. Uh, it's you can read it. I think it's one sentence. Uh, I think it's a, a prayer to help people that have problems with sexual perversion uh, or maybe maybe unclean or disordered speech. Uh, what else would it be used for in that prayer? Yeah, it is to to break any form of attachment because the language is the language of attachment. I bind in the blood of Jesus. And it's interesting, this salutation, simply in the blood of Jesus. There's no expounding on this, just very simply the name at which all uh, creatures shall bow, um, the name that, that it, the ultimate name. So it's governance and it's also sacrificial. I bind in the blood of Jesus all of your hooks, lines and tentacles, your roots, attachments, and attenuations. This is a fancy way of saying all the elements of psychological compatibility, all the places where you communicate with this afflicted person in the intimacy of sin, all the places where you, the two of you conspire, uh, I bind all of these hooks, lines, tentacles, your roots, attachments, attenuations, and I command you, in the name of Jesus, to remove them now completely entirely. In the name of Jesus, remove them now. Said three times. Now, whenever we see the thrice-fold repetition, it is usually some occult uh, involvement, and it's aping the Trinity. And so there's the reason for the the thrice-fold repetition. So this one is uh, through some little habits, some little hooks, lines, tentacles, some little association, there is an ongoing malefice or practice which takes the person back into sin, thereby giving the demon presence. And so this one is well said. Uh, this one, incidentally, is, is well said over the corpus because what he's acting as the corpus. This is one of those prayers where the wife does have authority over the corpus of the husband vis-a-vis the marital contract. And so anything that would interfere with the conjugal union, the purity of the conjugal union, the fruitfulness of the conjugal union, she actually has an independent right over his corpus for that purpose. Again, go to Dominion, read it. And Father lays this out very, very clearly. Uh, It's not to affect his will. It's not to say, make him stop watching pornography. It's to remove the influence. And then it's his choice whether he goes back to pornography. Um, but that's very, very important is these binding prayers essentially give the person a moment of free will, unimpeded choice, unmolested choice, and they may well choose a, a way or a movement in the will with which you do not agree. So this prayer is an imprecatory prayer. You can pray that over yourself or a spouse can pray it over their spouse, wife, even over the corpus of her husband. Correct? Correct. Let's see if uh, we can get the last one in in two minutes for breaking the wall built. No, we we can't. We'll just leave that for next time. Kyle, tell us uh, what are you doing with Libra Cristo and Monte Cristo? Let the people know how they can uh, uh, contact with you and and get involved in your op- in the apostolic work that's your that you're providing for the church. Thank you, Jesse. Go to www.librecristo.org or to www.montecristo.net. For information on all the retreats, all of the um, 
trainings, all of the things that we are uh, we're doing with Father Ripperger um, this next spring and summer. I also would encourage you to listen to, uh, go back and, and listen to these archives, these podcasts, because um, I think it's a tremendous service that Virgin Most Powerful is doing to provide these on an ongoing basis. There is just a wealth of information um, in Jesse's broadcast and in these these podcasts. There's a wealth of information on the, the YouTube talks, the YouTube channels that are available through Monte Cristo, Libra Cristo, Virgin Most Powerful. There is just a tremendous amount of information out there that will aid you in the spiritual battle and the development of the warrior psyche this gladiator disposition that is definitely necessary because the fight is about to be exposed within our own church mm-hmm. and, and laymen are no longer going to be able to sit uh, as armchair quarterbacks and say, I should have done this, or he should have done that. He should have done the, he that you're talking about is you. And Amen. this is a participator activity, not a spectator activity as Teddy Roosevelt said, the honor goes not to the man in the stands, but the man in the arena whose face is muddied and bloodied, the man who falls and gets up again. To him goes the honor. And it's not the honor for ourselves. It's the honor for Jesus Christ. It's the honor for God Almighty. And so this is a call to all men, all men, to become gladiators, to become warriors, to pick it up, to pick up the crucifix, etchum crucium domine, behold the Christ of God, behold the Christ of uh, cross of Christ. Behold him who, who conquers. And now is the time. God has deigned that we live in this time. Thanks be to God. Amen. Kyle, last question. Make it quick. So this another form of prayer on page 40. A woman can pray this for her husband, but she should also add the light of Christ's prayer as well to it, as well as the rosary and other prayers of supplication and petition. Correct? That's correct. It's absolutely right. The light of Christ's prayer is such a good addenda to any any petition. I'd also highly recommend that you look at the prayer, uh, the book study, uh, the Ways of Mental Prayer, Father Lahodi. He's talking about, and he goes directly into the the fruit of all prayer should be self resolution. How can I be better? How can I be more virtuous? How can I? Uh, That's a wrap, my friend. Change That's myself. a wrap. God bless you, Cal. We'll see you next time, my friend. Keep up the good work. <clears throat> Wednesday War Call. Thank with you, Dr. EOW End of Watch. Up next, Gary Machuda, Hands on Apologetics. Coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. As for us, we are 10-7. We are out of service, but always on duty for Jesus and the Blessed Virgin Mary. See you next time.